0: This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way, and that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing and very lavender-looking Bo Lake. <laughs> and our guest today for the second time on our podcast is Linda Rosen. Woo! Welcome, Linda. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so excited to be back here with you guys. Well, we're excited to have you. You're so much fun. Let's talk about what we're drinking. I went to the City Lights Cafe that is here in Silva today, and I got myself a local honey latte Mm. and then brought it home and put whiskey in it because, like a boss, this is how you do things. (laughs) So it's amazing. And now it's actually way too sweet. (laughs) So I'll have to keep this in mind for next time, but I'm committed because it's here. So, Bo, what are you drinking?
2: I am also having coffee, but mine does not have whiskey in it, unfortunately. It is just a plain coffee with cream in my Bow Lake cup. Oh, in the Bow Lake cup. Yeah.
1: Linda, what are you drinking with us this morning? Well, I've got orange juice here but I
0: put it in a wine glass. So I'm thinking that it's a mimosa.
1: I like it. I like it. Mental yeah, imagination. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's true. It's true. Okay. Let's we're you're back because you have another book coming out and I'm going to hold it up because it's called the Emerald Necklace. And I was very fortunate that you sent me a copy, but, um, so let, let's talk about your journey since the last we saw you. Okay, well,
0: last time I was here, uh, we were talking about Sisters of the Vine, I'm pretty sure. That was my second book. Yes. And um, as I was finishing that, I really didn't know what I was going to write next. I mean, there are some writers who have like a slew of ideas waiting for them. And I was like, I want to write something and I don't know what I want to write. And I had a few things that I had to keep in mind. It had to be in the not-too-distant past because that's part of my brand, which was not a problem for me because Sisters of the Vine was in the 60s and 70s. And I was really wanted to stay in that time period. But I didn't want to write. um, I didn't want to focus on the Vietnam War. Uh, I didn't want to focus on civil rights or do anything with hippies. And I was looking, that was my period of time, and, but I was looking for some kind of event that I could hook on to. And I found the Women's Strike for Equality, which was on August 26, 1970. And it, the big one was in New York City and then they were all over the country. And it was weird because I was in New York at that time and I had no memory of it. And it's something that I probably would have gone to Um, So I researched it and I was really lucky to find that a friend of mine had friends who were not only at the strike, but one of them was one of the organizers with Betty Friedan and Gloria Steinem and whatever. So I didn't really write about the strike, but it centers. I mean, my characters all take a road trip together to go to it. And I did Gloria and Betty are in my novel and I have their quotes and I really did put a good two chapters um, at the strike. So I knew the period of time I wanted to do. And there was so much with women's equality at that time and women fighting for abortion because while I
1: was writing the book, Roe v. Wade was law. Wow. There's some irony with that, isn't there? As we're (laughs) paddling 80 million miles per hour in... Just general, yeah. I feel like I'm in some sort of time warp. Did we as a culture just hit a time warp where we have to go time backwards, backwards are in time? We way back, yeah, way, way back, back. way <laughs> yeah. back. But so
0: um, then, you know, the reproductive rights were forming in my head. So my story was forming in my head and I knew that I had to have a piece of jewelry because all my books have a piece of jewelry in them. And I came up with the idea of this emerald necklace only because of a story that I had with my mother a long time ago, and it happened to be a ring, but I figured, oh, that's a good one. So that's that's where it went
1: in. I I love that. And it's interesting because I am one of those writers that has – um, voice memos I have pads and pads of story ideas like not all of them come to fruition and not all of right, them are brilliant right. I do write yeah. them down and record them but not all of them are little gems or nuggets
0: well, one of mine I mean now that the Emerald Necklace is coming out on Thursday well on May 11th because what this will be our live afterwards but it will be out in the world, in reader's hands. And I am working on book four. It's just running around in my head. I'm doing research for that. But you talk about having the ideas in your, you know, like one of those authors that has tons of ideas and maybe it'll never be. I have no idea why, and I've never even sat down to write it or research it, but I've had this idea about baseball during the Civil War. It's not something I write. I write about women who overcome obstacles to find
1: their way. Well, and I write apparently, about though, and the <laughs> universe <laughs> needs you to write that book. So some time,
0: and I may, you know, it's going to have to have women in there. Um, there's going to have to be a piece of jewelry in there, maybe on third base. I don't know, but <laughs>
1: we'll figure it out. Well, you know, you could always research the lives of the wives. I mean, we talk That's about right. baseball players, yeah. but the wives or the girlfriends or the, you know. yeah. Yep. Okay. See now, now you got me even going more. Okay. I I sometimes feel when these ideas stick around for a long time. You just
0: have to go with it. Just
1: started writing um, a book that I had the idea for. It's actually a young adult horror novel, so it's slightly—I don't know if it's slightly out of my wheelhouse because it's young adult. I just have to watch the sexual content of it, I guess. But Uh, yeah, (laughs) um, I think that's the main point. I have to watch, but. It's interesting because or new adult um I had this idea and it's gone like just it literally sits with me like I walk around with it on my shoulder forever and I finally got an excuse and I've started writing and and it's so weird cuz it will be a series and but it's taken on a life of its own in my brain and I'm like this is that, this that's is. great it that's
0: is that's except great. for
1: I feel like you have to write those down when those things happen Because I feel like they get louder and louder and louder to the point where, like, if you don't write it down, it's taking up all your your brain space to do any writing.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, that's why the book I'm working on now, which I just have about three chapters down, but I have an idea what, you know. Uh, I read about the heterodoxy club in one of Fiona Davis's books, uh, Lions of Fifth Avenue. And I was fascinated by that club. And I said, I knew I always wanted to write something in the early 20s. Where my characters would be part of the club, so more and more was coming in in my mind during the research. But now you're talking to me about this one, and now this baseball wives
1: thing is really creeping up. <laughs> well, you got to be careful, see, because it sounds like the baseball wives is really the one. That's... I don't want it to take over because I really love this other. <laughs> Which you can go back to. I'm just worried Maybe you're right. To both hey, when I
0: wrote it, my first two books, I was writing them sort of in tandem. I was writing
1: one, put it aside, wrote the other, put it aside. So know. the baseball one needs to start being a little typey-type. Yeah. Typey-type yeah. there, Linda. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're sitting here. Come on the podcast, and we'll come up with multiple books you need to be <laughs> writing at the same time. So, um, But this is exciting that you're working on book four and now book five. Well, <laughs> right. 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 And it is, it's not only exciting,
0: it's just mind blowing to me because I didn't start writing till close to 60 years old. And I mean, you know, I never expected to have one book. It was a dream, like just the dream that somebody would sit down with a book written by me, you know, and wow, book one came out and I was like, oh, now I'm not stopping, you know?
1: So yeah, it is. I think it's brilliant. And, you know, you talk about it being a dream. I I remember when we last talked and you were last on the show. And I have to say, the authors that I've interviewed that have chosen um, creatively later in life, I think is so fascinating, right? Because there are those people that start off like, I'm going to be an author when I grow up someday. And we talk to those. And then we talk to the people that were like, I've decided you know, to start writing and it's my side gig and blah, blah, blah. But it's very interesting the people that get to a certain point in their lives and they're like, I'm going to share stories. And I, I think it's brilliant. And I think it's brilliant how far you've come with it, because it is very easy to get demotivated in this field. And oh, yeah. yeah, you know, we you, you're part of other groups and we're going to talk about it and helping other authors, right? But I Absolutely. think when you first started, had you not found that tribe and found these groups and stuff, it is really easy to have this, that idea you had, I'd love to have my book in the hands of readers, blah, 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 get completely run over by a truck. So true. And I have to tell you, if it wasn't for
0: finding that community, which I was the 2020 debuts, which came out of the Women Fiction Writers Association, um i wouldn't have found my other communities i wouldn't have found all the writer friends that i now have that have blossomed my world and who knows what i would have done at that time because it it's tough i mean community is everything i think in this in this game that we play this writing game
1: i agree i agree i say find your tribe even though in a book recently published where i mentioned that they said i couldn't use the word tribe oh but, happened to me too did it okay high five linda because <laughs> she told me that i was like are you out of your mind what the hell uh-huh. happened that
0: to me <laughs> i had to use the word community or whatever Same. But,
1: same. i was just like this is nuts we have, yeah. this is The definition of getting too politically correct, because a tribe is a group of people. It's not specifically for um, American Indians or, you know. right? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, Anyway. Yeah. But I went back and
0: I fixed it so that they wouldn't be upset with me. I just said, fine, whatever. If you're going to change it, change (laughs) it. (laughs) But I, I realized afterwards that I had left it in once and they said, and then I said, "Oh, come on, one time,
1: you know." No, nope. they took the one time I had only one time, and they um, or twice technically because I was in the you know mentioning it in the top ten thing, and and then, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. But um, so let's so let's talk a little bit about um uh your how's your writing changed now that you you know this this came out this was I think mid-production process when we last talked right it was like you were near the sending it to the editor phase probably, and everything
0: probably yeah. yeah yeah
1: And then, so what how's your writing changed since
2: um know-
0: I guess I'm more confident in my writing than I was when I first started of course and I always knew that I would get feedback. I'm in a critique group and, you know, whatever, your beta readers, should get feedback. And at the beginning, I think most writers feel like, oh, okay, maybe I, I did that. Maybe I should use her idea or maybe I should use his idea. Now, even though I knew that I should accept them, listen, digest, and then do my own, I now really feel so much more confident with that, that I I know what I want. Plus, I think my writing has gotten better only because I've gotten better playing with words. You know,
1: I, I think your that's writing generally the general rule, and I'm going to say this because there are some very, very rare exceptions, um, but generally your writing does get better. That's why it's really hard, I think, as writers to go back and go through manuscripts that, you know, don't go through a manuscript too much because every time you go through it, you're a better writer at the end. And when you start again, like I always say, just fix the stuff that really needs to be fixed. Like where you left a comment going, I have to enter some kind of gun in here. Or I need to find the statue in the town square of Thatcher, Indiana. Like you do not under any circumstances, rewrite that damn book because you'll never get rid of it. It's like the thing And then when you go back and read the first book you read, even if you wrote, I said, even if you love it, I, I'm telling you, I go
2: back through my oh yeah. and I'm
1: like, ah, why
2: did I do that? I should have <laughs> done I, I It would have been better. Never, never do that. Just never look at it again. But I don't, its I think it's
0: every writer does that, even yeah. with her latest book. You know, exactly. you look at it and go, oh, I could have written it that way, or I could have tightened that sentence or
1: something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Like that's that's what we could do. We could, you know, tighten
0: up sentence. We could do all and this. I I love revision, but you gotta stop at some point. But yeah, I I mean to answer your question is I think I am more a more confident writer. I know I'm a more confident writer than I was, and yet I know I could be even better.
1: So, are you going faster? Because as I recall, that first book took a little bit. Oh, of absolutely. Yeah,
0: like, absolutely. Yeah. It took
1: yes. A smidge of your life to do
0: that. Yes. First yeah. Much faster. The Emerald Necklace probably took two years from when I started it to come, you know, till it was access accepted, you know, a contract, or maybe, maybe even two years to publication, something like that. And this next one, I keep saying it's only going to take me two years, but um, I have to get through my launch and through all kinds of stuff before I can just really sit down and get to it, even though it keeps coming at me. I did find, you might like this, I found well, something called Aquanotes. Have you ever heard of Aquanotes? No, what is Aquanotes? Aquanotes is a pad of paper with a special pencil that you can stick in your
1: shower. It oh. suctions onto oh, tiles. Yes. My, my boyfriend bought me these. They're great. It's hysterical when I'm in the shower writing notes on the shower wall. Yeah. I need yeah. to get that. That's so yeah. so cool. Yeah.
0: Because great ideas, a wonderful word, something comes to you. By the time you're dressed, you're not going to remember it. It goes right out of your head. So I just write it down in the shower I pull off the paper. And then when I can, I get to my computer.
1: Wow. I love that. So it
0: will, this book will, this next one. I mean, Emerald Necklace was much quicker. I write, it's not that I write faster. I guess I get my seat in the chair more often.
1: Well, and you know, you, I think you'll find you do write faster because words come a little easier and you're not second guessing. I mean, it may not be warp speed, but I I do find that now I write a lot faster than... I did when I was first starting it because the confidence thing I think is very, very true. But I my, I don't know, maybe you do
0: this. When I'm writing, I mean, some people just let the words pour out of them and it looks like garbage and then they have to go back and fix it. I can't move on until I fixed it. I can leave out things like the name of the store or the, you know, certain things. Not that I won't go back and fix it six more times. But I want it to be pretty well done and colorful before I can move on.
2: That's me, too. Yeah. yeah. And
0: so I could work on a, a scene, a chapter. I mean, a, it could be a two paragraphs could take me over an hour. Well,
1: yeah, yeah no, that I mean, two paragraphs take over. Wow. Well. well I guess if you don't have, I guess if you're cutting time going back through it, that's good. I mean, that's well that's yeah, it's that it's
0: putting the time in at the beginning rather than later on. Though sometimes something will come to me and I'll have a whole dialogue in my mind and I'll just get the dialogue down and then I can go back and put it in a scene. Right. So that that's when I write faster for sure, because I'm just spilling out that dialogue.
1: Well, that, and we never look crazy when we're having conversations with ourselves. out loud <laughs> We're recording them. Yeah. Cause my boyfriend has given up just trying to listen to everything that I'm saying. And I have to get his attention when I'm directly talking to him because I have <laughs> character conversations. And yeah. I also talk to myself about my to-do lists and stuff yeah. like, okay, so that's done. So next is blah. Well, like, I'll have these conversations. And he used to be like, what, what? He's learned to tune it out until I say, honey. And then he's like, okay, <laughs> you are my talking turn. to me now. <laughs> you're you're doing that conversation. I will pay attention. Because um, yeah. I didn't realize I even did that so much until he pointed it out to me that he's like, you're doing it. Like we so in, in my office here is gaming. So he'll be down here. And he's like, you're doing it. And then I was he's like, we like, can he's like, all
2: hear you. You're not being quiet. It's out yeah. loud. <laughs> That's why you can't share an office. you got to be all by yourself.
1: Well, he puts on his headphones, gaming and stuff. But it's very funny sometimes when he's down here because he's like, you're doing it. And I'm like, I am. Okay, I am. Fine. I'm going to go talk to myself in my other room. without.
0: <laughs> well, I do it in the car. I talk to myself in the car.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah no, I, I love voice memos. Oh yeah. oh yeah water yeah water is the other app i love because if it's a long one i'll let i'll just talk 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 and let it hear the entire thing yeah yeah i write yeah. stories while i'm driving on road trips now it's a lot of fun yeah,
2: you know, yeah. it works
1: out um but Bo, i want to let you ask some questions in the beginning do you see look at me stepping wow away.
2: never happened. So you mentioned you like to write stories that it happened in the not so distant past. What made you decide to choose that route?
0: Well, let's put it this way. At the very beginning, I didn't realize I was choosing that route and it was pointed out to me. (laughs) (laughs) My first book took place like more present day and back in the 20s. And then the second book was in the 60s and 70s. And once I realized you know, somebody pointed it out, okay, it's the not too distant past, but it is considered historical fiction because it's over 50 years, you know, ago. Um, I'll go back to the 20s. But I, unless I do that baseball Civil War book, um, I guess I'm not comfortable going too far back, maybe to the Gilded Age, but really far back is going to take a lot, a lot of research for me. Um, And I don't know, I love the women of the times that I'm writing about. Um, I like to write about strong women. I like to put in women's issues. Um, So that's why probably the late 1800s would be the farthest I go. It's just, it's just what I like to read also and what calls to me, except I am listening to an audiobook now that I don't even know when it takes place, 1200, 1300, something like that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wow. Do you usually know what like time period you're going to aim for, or do you just like have a main plot and then insert it into it like a time? Well,
0: that's interesting. Cause with <laughs> the Emerald necklace, it really was, I was looking for a particular time period and for, some event that I can circle it around um, and issues I could circle it around. But with this next book, which I just called book four, I don't know what it's going to be. I said, okay, enough of the sixties and seventies. I don't want to do that. And I wanted very much to get this heterodoxy club in there. And I also, since I've written stuff, um, in the emerald necklace there's a bit about marches for the women for the vote i didn't i wanted to do something after the vote was law so it it had to start in 1920 after 1920 so i chose 21 and then i was trying to figure out how what age i wanted my characters to be when i'm writing because it's going to be dual timeline and so i really like the early 50s there's a lot of fun stuff to write about with that and add in so it kind of works that way, you know. But if I do do the baseball, I'm going back into the 1860s. So. <laughs> but it, it's the it's just a time period that kind of wraps me in a blanket. I, I like right. doing the research for that time period. I like the clothes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and the women of that early, early 20th century late 19th century mm-hmm.
2: I do the same thing I keep like j- gravitating toward like the 1920s the 1950s and I'm doing a 1980s and it's it's very fun to like immerse yourself in the research for it and it kind of helps build your story because you have these like brackets in which you're working and yeah I like to do that too yeah, yeah. I I don't
0: I mean, you said 1980s, that's too close for me. Yeah,
2: it's very, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: too close. Um, And I prefer reading books that take place in the past rather than currently. Um, Though there are books that I absolutely love that. It's not that they're set currently that is important in the story. So that, you know, that's okay. That kind of novel could take place anytime. That's
2: right. Like it's more yeah. nebulous. It doesn't really matter.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hey listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie Florida book series in Erie Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called eerie travels Woo-woo, eerie travels which covers things like ghosts cryptids weird stuff ufos men in black all kinds of fun things that people talk about and i'm sure you've discussed with friends yep and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerie and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness and of course mark what do we always say We'll see you on the other side. Um, it's, OK, so let's talk a little bit about the other things you do besides writing in the writing arena. Linda, what do you do outside of the brilliant writing that you do? In the writing
0: arena? Yeah. Uh, OK, uh, I do a lot. Um, I am. I know that. That's why I asked that. A question. tour guide. <laughs> I never thought I would call myself a tour guide. I am one of the tour guides, the admins for the Facebook group Bookish Road Trip. And um, just to let your viewers know, we now have over five thousand members in Bookish Road Trip. Every day, something is going on for readers and writers. It's really mm-hmm. such a fun group i mean it's just you sign up for bookish road trip on facebook and every day there's something different there's an interview with an author there's a game to play there's fridays are author days where authors can promote themselves but no other day so it's not one of those where all you're going to get is promotions of their books um there's just we have an author right along and I can't even think we have a book club. We author take the wheel, which is when authors can um, take over for the week. But then we have all kinds of stuff with readers and readers interact um, it's it's a lot of fun. I do. I am the editor of Wanderlust, our newsletter. Okay. And I also share the membership Sundays with Grace Salmon, the great Grace Salmon. Uh, she's our membership chair, and she's a wonderful podcaster also and author. But she and I share it. So when it's my Sunday, I do literary trivia. Oh. And, and, that's, and it's very interactive. You know, you put your and put the answer in the comments, and people have a lot of fun with it. And then you get talking about the book that, I, you know, that might be the answer, and all kinds of stuff goes on. So I'm very busy with Bookish Road Trip and I highly recommend everybody get involved, especially, I mean, readers are going to enjoy it, but writers, it's a great way to meet your readers, to meet new readers and engage with them. And then I am on the board of the South Florida chapter of the Women's National Book Association. Actually, I co-founded the chapter and WNBA books, not basketball, has been around since <laughs> 1917, when women were not allowed into the all male, um, what was it, American Booksellers Association, and the women booksellers at the time banded together and they created Women's National Book Association, and now we have chapters all across the United States. And I'm also involved with Women Fiction Writers Association. So as a member, I, I'm not a volunteer on that, but I will be speaking at our 10 year anniversary conference in, in, um, Chicago in September. Oh, wow. And I might, I'll be talking about critique groups and community because that's the chapter I wrote for the book Launchpad Countdown to Writing Your Novel. Yes, yeah. It's part of a, a series. We It's an anthology of lots of different writers, lots of award-winning writers who have um, contributed. We have Launchpad Countdown to Writing Your Novel, Launchpad the Countdown to Publishing, and Launchpad the Countdown to Marketing Your Novel. They're all out. And you know what? These books, it's a craft book, but it's coming from the authors talking about how to and what we did. So it's kind of different. And it's a great book, whether you're a published author or you just want to be a published author. doesn't matter what part of your journey you're in. So you can find those online.
1: I agree. I, I happen to be in the latter two of both of those. Oh, books. you are. Yeah, okay. I'm in the countdown to publishing, the countdown to marketing. Um. So. And is that where you wrote tribe? That is where I put tribe. It was in the third book. <laughs> I put the word tribe. Nope. Nope. <laughs> vetoed by the very archaic publisher. Oh, I
0: wasn't vetoed by the publisher. I was vetoed by someone else.
1: Yeah. Well, that's okay. You know, I have a go big <laughs> or go home. But I, you know, it's fine. They changed it to community. The point is still there in yes, for the absolutely. books. Absolutely. And, and although they did take that word, I think the message in the books is kind of amazing for wherever you're at. And even if you are a published author, being a published author does not necessarily mean you have that same publisher or however you're doing it forever. So right. I think authors should look at the different avenues to be published because I think there's very cool things in each Avenue of being published. And then the bookish roadshow is so much fun. All of the things that are there and you can learn and you can find your community amongst the people in the bookish roadshow, because if if you're an author and don't know where to start, start,
0: start there. Like. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I found my, I found readers. I mean, that was my, that's really, you know, I started off with the 2020 debuts, but because of that, I met Mary Helen Sheriff, who is our CEO of Bookish Road Trip. And I, you know, was brought into that. And it's community, uh, you know, tribe, community, whatever. And that's where you find your readers. And I I mean, why else do we write? I'm writing for readers. That's the whole reason and i love to talk to my readers and talk to any readers i love to talk books
1: yes and i i think that's fun it's again your community because you have to find your readers you have to find your community um the author talk network is amazing for just being helpful oh, to right, writers out there right. period Um, I think it's great that not only you took on getting published and getting your books in the hands of people, but you took on becoming a part of something that will allow other creatives to succeed. Well, so that is so important.
0: Um, It just comes naturally to me. But it's so important because if I'm not going to help others, I mean, I was helped. So and I want to help others and it's always been if i enjoyed someone's book i want to help other people find that book Uh, so it's very it's just very not just that it's collaborative it's just a warm
1: huggy kind of feel you know no totally and i (laughs) and again uh amazing amazing so Let's talk about, now that you've been published and stuff, what is it like having um, the feedback now from a whole new set? Because we were going into book two when we last talked. We're going into book three. What has the feedback been like? What is the difference now that you've got these books under your belt? Um, I. Well, my reviews on this book have been
0: fabulous. I've been really excited about that. Um, if you're talking about feedback from critique group or beta no, readers, No, like no, like from
1: the, you know, when you have more works under your belt, I feel like Oh, absolutely. And
0: you know what's really wonderful? Like and I I think, you know, people always say I've heard it's that third book that will Take you, or maybe it's the fifth. I don't I don't know, but you know, certainly, by this third book, and because of bookish road trip and communities and all that, I have met so many new authors, not I have met authors that are new to me. So my TBR has grown. but I've grown, I've had friendships with authors that I never would have known before. And it's so wonderful to get, you know, um, reviews, wonderful reviews, um, promotion from other authors who I admire. And it's just, and I feel like they're my friends now. And these are somebody who I might have fangirled at one time, or
1: I still will fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, so you've got to meet some of the fangirl moments, huh? I have, I have. <laughs> what was yeah. that? How how about interactions with you now? Because we're a lot more post COVID we than we were when last time we spoke. So a lot more stuff is open and things like that, and um, in person events. Have you been having the people that have
2: fangirled over you? Um, uh, in person events, I've had.
0: Not that many, truthfully. Uh, I had a couple at libraries. I'm coming up, I'm going to be doing a uh, book festival uh, over Memorial Day weekend and uh, a few others. And as I said, I'm going to Chicago. Um But still so much is virtual. So, you know, because the people I've met and the people I've become friendly with Like all over the map, though I will tell you, fangirl. Okay, yes, fangirl. Oops, yeah, almost forgot this. A bunch of us met for lunch. I was, you know, I spent about five, six months in Florida. So I drove probably an hour and a half, two, two and a half, I don't even remember, two hours up to Vero Beach. And Barbara Davis drove in for two hours from Orlando and Grace Salmon drove up and Karen E. Osborne drove up and we all met and that was a real fangirl moment for me because I just adore Barbara Davis's books and I adore Barbara Davis and Grace is a friend and her book and Karen's books so yeah I was a fangirl then and it was and I felt part of the community so it was like ooh, look at you Linda you know <laughs> no, uh, I think that's You're brilliant. part of this community now. It's not just, you know, Linda Rosen back there looking at these authors and wishing I was one of them. I am.
1: <laughs> I love that so much. I love that. Okay, Bo, go ahead. I'm sorry. I could tell. If you have questions, it's fine.
2: <laughs> I always have questions. I know. Uh, <laughs> what has been your... Best like reader experience, whether virtually or in person?
0: A book club that I did in Utah at um it was called Red Ledges. And my girlfriend lives there. So she, you know, she pitched the book to her book club. And little did I know, it turned out to be a luncheon with, I don't know, 40 women. And when I walked into her clubhouse. On the big screen, on the screen TV in the clubhouse, was my picture. You know, lunching with the lunch with the author was me. You know? And that because I've always been in book clubs for years and years and years, and before I started writing, that was one of the things. It was like. Oh, what is not only to have people read a book, right? That I might have written, but to do book clubs. I would love to do book clubs one day. And I have done some book clubs in person and virtually. And that was a really big one and really, really exciting to do. So that one was. And then another one that I will mention. Um, it was through a giveaway. I don't remember which group it was, but. Again, another Facebook group. It might have been Booker's Road Trip. It might have been Tattered Pages. I don't remember. But I had the person who won also won not only my book, but a Zoom with me. Mm. And we did a Zoom together. And she invited her friend. And now they are two of my biggest promoters. And
1: I love it. I love it. You know? So you did have a fangirl moment. I did. I guess I really did. Yeah. <laughs> Linda,
0: you're underselling yeah. this. What is happening? <laughs> no, I do. I do. And you know, what's really, really thrilling is when people come up and say, when is your next book coming out? You know, or, or whether they come up to me in person, which I have had happen, friends, you know, friends or acquaintances, um, or I meet people. I've known through pickleball or something else. And then they find out I'm an author and it's like, oh, where can I get your book? So yeah, that's, that's exciting too.
1: It is. It's also exciting. exciting. Very cool. It is very exciting. And I'm glad you're having those experiences because they're absolutely deserved, but I think it's what it, it's just, what makes it all worth the hours in the chair. And it's why
0: I sat down to write it was for readers and
1: i'm loving it i'm loving that it that is that is so awesome um go ahead bo sorry i was just adding in
2: <laughs> not to skew us a slightly different way but um you've talked about how you have been helping other um authors get their leg up and figure out this industry um what is your um top advice that you would give a new author Get involved on
0: Facebook as much as you hate it. Get involved (laughs) in reader groups. In reader groups, you're going to feel comfortable in reader groups. And that's where you'll find your readership. Because the world, the publishing world is so different today. And you're not going to find your book, you know, right on that first table in Barnes & Noble or some indie bookshop, especially if you are unknown. Um, and you want to meet readers, get on social media. It's the way to do it. Find them where they are. Find you right. Find them where
1: they are. And that's where they are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. No,
1: it's true. You, hey, we are in, it's just a, I was having this conversation. It's very funny because I was having a conversation with somebody, the other day, actually two conversations in the same day on this very topic. So I'm just going to throw this in. Sorry, but I don't think people realize how important keywords are to things and um, not only keywords, but hashtags. And this is why, because for instance, you put your book out, the AI, our AI overlords aren't reading your book, right? What they're looking for is what you say in your ads, what you're talking about what hashtags you use what keywords you put because they're not going to present like if i love um historical women's fiction they're not going to put my your book in front of me unless you have historical women's fiction in the things you're talking about right right, right. and i'm i'm only throwing this in cuz it's sort of a sidebar to what we're talking about but um if you just hope somebody's going to know that your book is about this or You know, whichever points about the, you know, um, March in New York, things like that. No one will ever know if you don't write it, put it in the algorithm because the AI overlords look for the little words you type in to then present your stuff to people. And I think it's a huge thing that people don't realize when they're talking about their book. even. And if you do the videos, that's great, but you still have to put the hashtags in the video uploads because... The AI overlords aren't necessarily taking every word of everything you say to present you to other people. So, are you saying you? Should,
0: I mean, I've done those reels. I I've never put a hashtag with it because it just goes
1: up. No, you need to. I if the reels. I it goes up, but then when you reshare them on another platform, make sure that you. Um, Put them up there because if you don't, what ends up happening is um it it doesn't
2: know like the reels are great and the reels can be shared, but it needs are- to steer them toward the readers who engage with that hashtag. So if they like uh spicy books, then you have to like put spicy books so that the readers who engage with those topics are going to see your video. No, I
0: oh I totally understand what you're saying, and that I mean I do that all the time for a post, yeah. but I guess when I put up a reel, I mean that's just the videos. So is, and it just seems to go up. Is there a maybe I maybe I have written a post with a reel and put hashtags? Maybe I have. I have to see. Yeah, it's like
2: now. it's like the second screen, like on the Instagram ones. You yeah yeah put your video, and then there's like a comment thing before you push submit. So then you right, put them in. There. Right, yeah. right.
0: I am amazed by reels. I did not want to do them. I was. Like, no, I'm not starting. I don't want to learn something new. And then it was like, no big deal to learn it. It was just make your video, and it's very easy. And I'm astounded how many views they get like, a thousand views. The one that I did when I was opening my books, my box of books had, I think, over a thousand. One that I just did, I was driving up from Florida to New Jersey, and I my characters take a ride on I-95 to go to the Women's Strike for Equality. And I put that up and it's had over 700 views. It's like amazing. So reels are good, but that, you know, that goes back to your question to me, Bo, about, um, where to, what to do for a writer, where to find your readership. I mean, I know plenty of people who, Really don't want to get involved with social media. And if it is not your thing, then you can't force it, but find somebody to do it for you. And there are people out there who you can hire to do it for you. Cause really that's, that's the way of the world right now. And, and find the one that you're comfortable with. Like I'm not going on TikTok. I'm just not, but I'm very comfortable on Facebook and Instagram. And once in a while, once in a while, I'll do Twitter, but. Find the one you're comfortable with. And then oh, rock.
1: I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, um you're as far as the um social medias, you should go where your your first of all go where your readers are. Your readers are not on Twitter necessarily. No. If you're sci-fi, if you're horror, things like that, nonfiction, your readers may be on Twitter, but you should go where you feel comfortable. and mean, TikTok, I think, is brilliant, but you have to.
2: So yeah, if you're you not really ready
1: to commit yourself to that. I don't um, think my readers are on TikTok either. <laughs> um, probably for the most part, no, no. Yeah. I would say no. That would be my yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, Very, very cool. Okay. Well, Bo, do you have any more questions?
2: I, I can I can pull some up if you want some more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a whole list. Oh, go for it. Well, I'll give you I want more
1: questions and then
2: we'll wrap up. <laughs> well, I always like to ask writers what their um, typical writing day looks like. What is oh, your writing day look such
0: like? Such a bad question to ask me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why? Oh. Why? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of non-writing days. <laughs> same, same, same. Okay, so
0: a typical writing day, I will. Normally I start my day with whether I'm playing pickleball in the summer, I teach aqua size or um doing going out for a walk or something like that. And then I will come home and sit down for a few hours in the afternoon. Um occasionally I will have something that's just coming out of me, and I can't wait to get to my computer and I'm still in pajamas, and I go to my computer and I'm writing for a few hours. But then I got to get out and be physical. So I'm not one of those who will sit down at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. until 3 or whatever. Um, I do a two, three-hour stint when I'm really doing well. And then other times it might be an hour.
2: Yeah. Uh, That's close to mine, too. I can't do those all-day stints. But, But probably the same
0: with you. Even if I'm not at the computer writing, they're on my shoulder. Yes, yeah, all up here. Yeah. I'm doing that. And if I'm not writing, I'm spending time marketing, promoting in a fun way on Facebook or working on a newsletter. You know that kind of, that sort of thing. I like my newsletter. I have fun with my newsletter. <laughs> what are some things you have in your newsletter? Okay, well, my newsletter is called Linda's Tea Room. And, you know, I I try to make it fun at the beginning, uh, you know, something, what I've been doing. It can be personal stuff, too. Um, And then what's happening with me in the writing world. I always, always have books to recommend on audio and physical book because I have this graphic. It's like on my, in my hands, on my ears. And then um, if there's something going on that I can promote for somebody else, I will do that. Um, sometimes I ask them for help on a book I'm writing because right now, and anybody who wants to help me, please do this. My next book, I have a set of earrings in it that were designed in early, early 1900s. And it was—they were supposed to be very unique because the father had them designed for his daughter and her two best friends, and nobody was ever going to have the other pair. And I need somebody to design these earrings, and I don't care what stone or whatever, but I'm throwing it out there to your world, and they can get in touch with me from Linda-Rosen.com on my website. You can email me and give me ideas for earrings.
2: I love oh, I that. Love
1: that. I hope somebody gives the spoon idea. Did you ever see where they make the earrings and jewelry out of spoon handles? Oh, they're fantastic. I love those. Oh, I actually I bought a bracelet um
0: for my niece uh, that was made out of spoons. I love those. Yeah. So they're those, usually I'm throwing at- that in the hat. There. <laughs>
1: they're usually at um art fairs kind of thing they are but they actually in previous times used to do this all the time too it's not just a recent thing oh wow
0: um i will have to research that but if somebody wants to come up with a design i promise you'll get a book for me maybe even a tote bag
1: a tote bag (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> tote bag has been thrown out there. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I hope the listeners give lots of feedback and give a tote bag. I'd love to see a picture with that. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the Literary Briefs portion. Enjoy. We've already You've already been on the podcast, so we have to shake up the questions a little bit because we've already had the answers to some of them. What is um, your favorite book you've recently read since we last saw you? Okay. Well, can I give you two? Of course. Okay.
0: Because one, probably most people know about, it's Lessons in Chemistry. Have you read it?
1: No, I've seen it literally everywhere,
0: though. Okay. It is brilliant. I love the, the narration, she's in everybody's head. It's an omniscient narrator, and she's in everybody's head, but I love the dog. Now, I've heard of other people don't like the dog and talking in the dog's head, but I love the dog being in the dog's head. But her book is, it's it's a satire. And it's just, she's this chemist. It's 1960, and she's a chemist. But because of the period of time, you know, she just, can't get where she's supposed to be because women were not supposed to be scientists back then and women were not gonna be given all the roles even though she knew the research and whatever. So she gets this this, um, food show and whatever, it's all there. But so much goes in about women's equality and women's rights in the workplace. And as I'm reading this and laughing through the pages and stunned by the brilliance in the writing, and this is her debut, I kept saying, there's so much similarity to my book, though I'm not saying I I didn't write a satire, but it's women's rights and women's equality. So that one just blew me away. And the other one that I just loved curled up sitting like with a cup of tea is The Echo of Old Books by Barbara Davis.
1: Just loved it.
0: So those are my two favorites of most recent.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, So what about, have you read any books that you were not thrilled with recently? I don't like
0: to do that to any author.
1: But okay, I'll tell you, on my ride up,
0: my husband and I just drove up from Florida to New Jersey. A long, long ride. And we listened to... I can't remember the title, but it was a Dominic Dunn book. I'd have to go look up the title now. It was good for the ride. He does well. He did wealthy people so well. I mean, and I think he was in the world of them. So he really knew how to do them so well, but not a great book. It was fine for the ride.
1: Well, I don't know. But, I think a great book is what's needed on long road trips like that. Well, a it was great for own. a road trip, but
0: not, you know, we kept reading it. and We kept listening, going through traffic and
1: writing and whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. I wouldn't do yeah. this for pleasure. This gets. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. The book wasn't
0: that bad. It was pleasant to listen to. And the characters were good, you know, because they were these super wealthy characters and you know the whole play on them was good but usually I will if I review books I will write only good stuff so because I wasn't crazy about it I chose not to review it so I'm giving you a little review now but I can't even give you the title I
1: don't remember it it's okay that's okay (laughs) what about what is your next major writing goal like to get book four done
0: that's my next major writing goal.
1: Do you have a timeline for when you? Or want let to me
0: know that I don't have. I, I don't have a contract for it, so I can do it on my own. But that's too big. That's too nebulous to say to get book four done. No, to get myself my seat in the chair and really start writing it. That's my goal. But before I do that, I mean, I have, I know what I'm going to be writing about and I've started it. And I've started research, but I'm going on a research trip to Culver City, well, to California. And while I'm out there, I'm going to be in Culver City because my character that I'm writing for book four will be there in the early 20s. So I want to do some research there for the early 20s. And then I'm taking myself to the New York Historical Society because my characters will also be in New York City in the 20s and in the 50s. So I want to get some good feel for it. And I only live a half hour from Manhattan, so I can walk the streets and do that whole thing. But I want to go to the society also. So my real goal is to get my butt in the chair and just let the fingers fly across the
1: keyboard. I like that. I like that. Sometimes you just have to do that,
2: you know. Um, Bo. I like the hands-on research of like actually going there and experiencing it in person. That's that's really yeah. cool. I like that. Well, cuz even
0: if it doesn't make it into the book any specific thing, I'll have a feel for the streets. Yeah. That that sort of thing and how far she lived from the studio. She's a an actress and how far she lived from the studio and you know MGM is right there so that kind of feel, because I know that area from today, right? But now I want to go back and pretend.
2: Oh, here's a question: What is the most surprising thing you've learned while doing research on uh, for a book? Okay, I had
0: to research abortions mm-hmm. for the Emerald Necklace, and I learned. About herbal abortions, herbal tinctures that were used. And I learned about granny midwives. Mm-hmm. And whether that's surprising, I don't know if you want to call it surprising, but it was quite eye opening, I guess, and fascinating.
1: Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I and learned
0: there more there about is- abortion than
1: I needed to know. There is herbal things. I just think there's also a lot of false information on that. Oh, oh, no, bad,
0: bad. Yeah, and actually, truthfully, in my research, I also found that they are highly not recommended. Do not, do not. And I, I actually put in author notes in my book because of that. I didn't want anybody to think that they could do this. And I, I never gave the full recipe because I just didn't want anybody to do that. They're very dangerous.
1: Yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. But they absolutely used to do those as the They yeah. did. They did. Yeah. yeah. Way before medical doctors kind of got involved absolutely. in that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, a lot right. of women thought that was the better way rather than going to the butcher, you know. Well, yeah. For. Or you know, your dentist surgeon. Yeah. A lot of people didn't know that that dentists used to also be surgeons. Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's how they that's the
0: um I know the barber also. The barber, yeah. Sorry, the barber.
1: Yeah, with the barber pole. Yeah. Yes, you cut hair and do surgery. Go team! Like (laughs) that's a that's a different school than they offer. I don't know. I'm not really happy with my hairdresser. I don't think I want him doing surgery either. I'd
0: like him to do a little more surgery on my hair, maybe.
1: So if you could travel anywhere, um, cost not an issue whatsoever, where is the one place that you would absolutely love to travel to? The Outback. Mm. And that comes from reading,
0: I believe it was a town called Alice. And then there was another book that I cannot remember the title of that I read when I was very young. And I loved, it was a doctor who flew in and out of the Outback. And I just love that. I probably would never go, but that's where.
1: No, yeah. I, I, that's something me and my other, me and the boyfriend want to do is eventually go on a um, Australia, New Zealand
0: trip. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I told him, I said, if we go there, we got to be there like two weeks or three weeks because it's, first of all, it's such a long flight. It's like a two day flight. Oh no, you got to be there for a long time. Sure. Yeah. 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 And as not a huge fan of being on flights that long, I kind of go, well, well, we'll see how long that goes. Can you take a um, boat? That You know what? I think that would be neat. I wonder how long it co- takes to cross the Pacific to go there. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, though that sounds terrifying, pirates and all. Um, <laughs> they're actually a legitimate issue. It's so yeah. funny, like, yeah. Another weird fun fact that I read about um cruise ships and stuff, there's a lot of training regarding what to do if you get attacked by pirates. This this is the 21st century. It, it's just frightening. Oh, well, now yeah. the pirates have automatic weapons. So Yeah, well, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's a real thing. It, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, I thought, it, I mean, of course, I think the much bigger cruise ships are harder, but some of these small ones are we're going to take our personal, you know, whatever uh, ship to whatever. I'm like, no, nope, pirates.
2: Thank no. you. All hard pass no. on that one. No, no. <laughs> Bo? If you had to dedicate your most recent book to a celebrity, who would it be? Oh.
0: Very well, might be Gloria Steinem hmm. because there's so much about women's rights um, in the book,
2: and she but makes yeah. a cameo, right?
0: She does make a cameo. She does. Maybe I should send her a book.
1: You should, you should probably. There you go. I'm thinking about that, yes.
0: Okay. I do. The thing, I mean, I do have real life characters. In this book, because I interviewed some women who were at the strike for equality, um, and one of them did allow me to use her name, uh, so I have her in there, Ruth Ann. And I know that Gloria Steinem and you know Betty Friedan and whatever but from my research, so I do have the real people in in those chapters. So.
2: They just do that. Should I hear she's very nice.
0: So yeah. Well, she was really nice to my character. <laughs> oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. Now I, I Jill is the character who um had to do with Gloria. Yeah, she was lovely to Jill.
2: Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Bo. What is your favorite writing snack?
0: You know, I know that's been asked. I've heard other people ask that question. I don't eat when I'm writing. I forget to eat when I'm writing. I can miss lunch, honestly. I Time goes by, I am not eating. So I'm not snacking. And even if I have a cup of tea, it gets cold. I'm just typing.
2: Laser focused.
0: Absolutely. I might be typing food in there, though. I mean, if my characters are eating, I'll describe how juicy the hamburger is. But no, I'm not. I I don't have a snack. Yeah, not me. But if I snack, I like to snack on cheese, but not while I'm writing. I like to snack on dark chocolate, but not while I'm writing. What's your,
2: what's your favorite kind of cheese? Gruyere. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> I do like that cheese.
0: Um, when you buy it at Costco, you get a really big one. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's true. That's that's very true. I, yeah. did, I You know, it's interesting. Is that I? You know, some people say they like snacking while they're writing. Some people get so laser focused that they can't snack while they're writing. It's, it's definitely, I don't know, I'm a snacker though. I also will use going and getting a snack as an excuse to stop what I'm doing. So I have to bring <laughs> snacks to the table. And so. see,
0: that's a, that's a real problem for me because I'm a fitness professional and I'm always telling people to get up from their chair and you have to walk around. And I am so guilty of not doing that because I'm laser focused. I forget what time it is. And then it's like, okay, I got to get up. I got to move. I got to stretch out and walk around a little bit, but I don't leave the room. I come right back to the computer.
1: Interesting. 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 Once well, I leave the room, it's gone. You know, My husband
0: talks to me or something happens and gone.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, for me, I have to get into the mindset of it. I have to I prefer now to leave my phone in a completely different room because if I bring it with me, it's such an easy distraction. It's so easy to get distracted with things. Um, Okay, what about, uh, oh, my gosh, uh, have you uh, picked the characters for uh, the actors that are going to play the lead characters in your book here? No, and, you know,
0: somebody asked me, what does your character look like? An early reader asked me, what what does Rosalie, that's my main character, look like? And I said, your choice. I don't, I I can tell you approximately, you know, maybe she's five, six, and she's busty, but not slender, not heavy, just normal figure. Uh, My character, Fran, I can say, uh, I gave her a neck like a champagne flute, but I don't have a vision of them in my mind, so I don't. um Can't give you somebody. But I'm happy to do that for anybody who would like to put this on screen. I would love to work on that with you. Okay. I love that.
1: I think that would be brilliant,
0: Beau. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think um, of the actress. And if her name comes to me, I will give it to you. uh, But her name escapes me right now. She's very pretty, an older woman, Um, very pretty. She's a mother of another actor. And my mind is blank right now. who is the stunning actress who was in Shakespeare and love and in so many other things. Um, Paltrow? Yes. Who's one of Paltrow's mother.
1: Oh my
0: goodness. I can't think of her name, but she would be one of my, she could be Rosalie. Very. Rosalie is 63 in the book. So she could be Rosalie. Very cool. I like it. Well, my friend. Blythe Danner. Right. Oh. Right. Don't you see Blythe Danner as a sculptor?
2: She I, think, a sculptor. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I love her.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I didn't I know Wentz- mom was an <laughs> 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 actress. That's,
0: that. that's who. That's who I'm thinking of. Yes, I like her. Very cool. Okay, but but if Jane, if Jane Fonda wants to play the role, I will Ooh, not Jane Fonda push her yeah. aside. She could. <laughs> But she's a little too old for my characters, but we could do it. You know, we could make her fine. You don't have there, Jane?
1: Jane, Jane,
2: Jane. you're slightly too old, Jane Fonda.
1: (laughs) I don't know. When she looks, there's a few actors. That's what I'm saying. We could do it. We could do it. Yeah, I was (laughs) gonna say she's she's one of those that's kept herself fairly well preserved. Is this is something that you're doing that. Mary
0: Steenbergen might also be a good Ooh, one for Fran. Yeah. I have a character, Fran, the one with the champagne neck. Mary Steinberg may be a good one. And Fran happens to be um, an award-winning, uh, best-selling, cozy mystery writer. So
2: We've opened the floodgates.
1: There we, we go. <laughs> I love we, all these actors. Now we just need
2: the screenwriter. So... <laughs>
0: Yes. So can I ask you a question? Oh, go ahead. Ask us questions. I don't know the titles. I want
1: to hear the titles of your books.
2: (laughs) Well, that's you. Have fun with that. Uh, Well, my books are all paranormal romances. And the series is called The Wolves of Wharton. And the first book is called The Beast Beside Me. All the books. Have the beast in the title somewhere when do they take place uh some of them take place in modern times some takes place right after world war ii and your mind goes to that kind of my mind is like you know what what if there were werewolves in world war ii <laughs> Okay, and, and that's where i went i, I don't know what if because i was like I really love like like you said like the outfits and stuff like the nineteen forties nineteen fifties and so then I started doing a whole bunch of research on like the period and then I was like there's not enough not enough werewolf romance taking place in this time period so so I did yeah yeah no.
0: <laughs> yeah was there a werewolf on D Day. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's a whole sequence like that um, in one of the books. I can't recall which because there's six of them, but there's a him in Japan, like going through like a battlefield as a werewolf.
0: I could not write that kind of book, but that's I'm glad there are people out there who do because there are (laughs) readers who want that. There are. And Erica, what do you write? Now I'm interviewing you.
1: Oh, I see that. Um. So I were under Erica Lance, as if that's a separate person, not me. um, I write uh, horror. So I write um, horror thrillers that don't have a happy ending. So I've gotten, I have a lot of short stories that are published for that. And I'm working on two novels right now. One of them is the young adult novel. It's going to be called Jump. And um, that's going to be a series, and it's more sci-fi horror um, about, for lack of a better way of saying it, the person being able to jump into bodies, and there's a bunch of technology around that. And then um, I'm writing a book series called The Florida Hunting Grounds, and it's about serial killers, and it's the story of a police officer who stumbles into finding a serial killer and then she's um called upon on different situations when that happens so where in florida the first one takes place in ybor city around tampa okay oh yeah i
0: know that place yeah and the
1: second book is going to be in orlando so yes
0: isn't ybor city the one with the scars is that ybor city his
1: Ebor City has like the Tampa Club in and um, the Columbia Restaurant. Yes, uh, I was there. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I think that was that's the place where they used to make cigars. That that area. Okay, interesting. Good, good. Yes. Well, and we talked about pirates before, and you know, along the southeast coast, the Treasure Coast. It's called the Treasure Coast because there were lots of pirates in that area that um, treasures would come up from the waters. So that's another spot you could set your books. It's
1: true. Um, They'll be set all over the place because Florida is just... Florida has a rich history of being a freaking weird place to. And it still is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it totally is. So yeah, that one, um, that one's going to be interesting and fun. Really? Fun. Yes. Fun. It's interesting. What is makes you're, is people... there anything? Oh, uh, under my, um, chick lit erotica. Oh, name, oh. Which is Dahlia Lance, which if you say it fast, it's dalliance, which again, so many fun. Oh. Um, But I have two series going right now. One of them is called the Randy Michaels novels. And the first book in that is called My Home on Whore Island. Um, The the third book in that series is called The Training of the Tramp. I'm working on that one right now. And then um, the second book in the Apartment 23B series, um, which is called the first one's called 72% Match, and it has to do with. A little bit with dating websites, but mainly two pretty interesting characters. And then the second one is called um it uh it was meant to be or whatever. Well
0: <laughs> so you got um, a lot of stuff going on. See, I mean a lot of people can do that, write different things all at one time and work on different projects. Uh I I, I can't do that. I mean, I, I said I did that for my first two books, but really like I would be writing the disharmony of silence and then put it down for a year or so and then went to sisters of the vine and put that down after a year or two and went back to the other one but I can't do both at the same time
2: yeah I can't do that either I have to do projects separately yeah I keep saying I'll work on like two at once and I my brain is am so focused
0: yeah I mean I'm in I am in my character's heads that I, I can't it's enough to keep track of these characters and they're talking to me and <laughs> creating them. And I, I actually sometimes think I see them as I'm walking down the street, even though I said to you, I don't know what they look like. Like somebody <laughs> will walk by and I'll say, oh, that could be Rosalie, you know, that kind of thing.
1: No, I'm, totally. But OK, what other questions do you have for us, Linda? For the first time ever, we're being interviewed on our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean, what drew you? Like,
0: I know what drew me to write the kind of books I write. Those are the kind of books I enjoy reading, women's historical fiction, women's fiction. I don't read horrors. And what brought you to write those kinds of books?
1: Um, Well, for me, I'll go first, Bo, and then I'll let you go. For me, the horror aspect and the suspense, I like those kind of books, but I also... I um, think it's fascinating what people are capable of. I'm a little bit of a crude, true crime junkie. And it's fascinating to me because a lot of the stuff that you see that happens in true crime, I couldn't write in a book because people would go, that would never happen. But it does right. happen. Right. You All know? the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that and, you know, spooky stuff. And so my stuff sometimes has paranormal and sci-fi and that kind of stuff. So that's what drew me to do that. And I write stories that don't have happy endings. And I do that in somewhat intentionally. One, I think it's easier to find the ending to the story that way, because I think a lot of these traumatic events, people don't walk away okay from it. Even if surface wise, they appear to be okay internally, they're not okay from whatever happened to them, right? So um, for that, I wrote that's why I like to write that and then for the humorous erotica um but like my home on her island has these um things in it called whore tips and there's over a hundred of them and they're not on how to have sex better but they're how to be confident in yourself and how to set your own boundaries and how to um do these things for you you know and you know how to be a better partner and um When I started writing that book it was slightly based on real life experience um but I realized that I hadn't read a lot of novels that had the female character owning the situation and doing it in a way with a lot of confidence and without there being a degree of oh this is you know naughty or dirty or like you know that kind of stuff to it where it was more sort of matter of fact and also the heroine is a plus-size heroine Like, um, you know, I've been, I based her kind of off of myself. I've been six feet tall since I was 12, you know, and I've never been pencil thin I'm not a model. So, um, that's what caused me to do that. And then the other book series in that is with a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. And he wrote the male versions of the chapters and I wrote the female versions and they're just ridiculously terrible people. And those ones, the, the story arc of those characters is not that they get better at the end of it. I love that. I
2: love that. (laughs) um, But, but what about you? Uh, I kind of like wandered into romance. It was not my genre. It wasn't where I was intending to go ever. Um, But a friend is a pretty prolific romance writer and needed an editor. So I started editing for her. And then she's like, wouldn't it be fun if we wrote a book together? And so then we started doing that. We wrote a couple books together. And then I was like, well, I guess this is the thing that I'm writing now. So I did the paranormal romance series. And I love doing it, but it's not like the genre that is like has my whole heart. And that is horror. So um now I'm writing a horror novel. And I feel very intimidated by it because it is, like, the love of my life genre. Um, Steven is my absolute hero. So I'm, like, trying to, like, write in this genre that I've been reading my whole life. And it feels very intimidating and scary. But I'm plugging plugging myself in there and um so that's basically what it is like I, I keep going back to paranormal romance too I'm still writing that um and then they do get really spooky because you can tell that like horror is more the thing that I like so they they are very spooky and off kilter and there's true crime stuff in there but yeah, I'm working on a horror novel right now, and I'm really excited about it.
0: But you know, you said Erica about your books don't end happy, right? What was it? that? Was
1: well, the, I, the erotica books have happy endings. Oh, okay, I get it. But I don't. <laughs> I mean, I have been asked that
0: about mine. I don't tie them up in a nice little bow.
1: Mm.
0: Um, I like to leave them what I call a satisfying ending and. As a reader, you might not feel that it was satisfying. Maybe you want something more, uh, but I, I leave it where you want to sit back and go, "Oh, okay, you know, yeah, that's a good idea."
2: That kind of thing. Yeah. I always try to do happy endings because I think in the romance genre, for sure, you, you have to have a happy. You're expecting it. If you don't yeah. have a happy ending, you, you are going to gonna get yeah, yeah, you're going to get wrecked. So right. I always try to do happy, but I, I think you can kind of do like a scale of happy. You can be like, oh, they get married and that's like, you know, very happy. Or you can be like, oh, they're happy right this minute. Yeah. And they got back together. Back, <laughs> yeah. They're back together. And then everyone's like, yay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: No, I think the... um you know the happy endings it's more like a lot of books even how Stephen King's books for the most part have some sort of happy ending right yeah um I think that m- the way I like to write my books because it's a little different than a lot of the other horror books and stuff I've read I just like to leave the audience going what the hell just happened like
2: <laughs> I love that You know, <laughs> I like, yeah like you get- you just grab the rug and pull it right out from yeah, under them. You're yeah, like, that's yeah. the last page. You're welcome. Exactly. <laughs> like,
1: you know, if somebody's gone through something really brutal and painful, it's one of my stories, I'll give an example. One of my stories is about um, this uh, gentleman who befriends um, a young kid with his, the, at his neighbor's house. And that sounds kind of, this is not a perverted thing at all. But, you know, when he's outside doing yard work, he talks to her, all this other stuff, right? The whole situation and things like that. Well, um, she had actually died before this story even is going. And so you go on this journey with him and his, you know, his daughter and all this stuff. And it's a whole thing. And she's not, she's not alive and he's having this interaction. And it goes through sort of the mental health part of that and having it. And he's still once realized, like once all this comes present to him in the story, he slips right back into it and is having these interactions. That's and fascinating. Yeah. You know? And it's because just because you go through that doesn't mean you're going to come out the other side going, Oh, I'm going to come to grips with my grief and I'm going to, you know, all these things, right? His brain just protects him again. Yeah. From that situation, which is. Yeah very creepy when he slides back into it again yeah. because you're now getting it from the perspective of the people watching him slide back into it uh, yeah. it's incredible how the mind works how the writer's mind works how to create these like things will
0: happen just i could be driving along and you know maybe a, a escape a near accident for some reason and then a story comes a brief story comes in my mind well, oh my gosh what if what if what if but I never go to write those because it's like not something that I'm going to sit down and enjoy writing. It's, it's not my thing, but I can see where stuff comes up and you think, well, what if, or, you know, like you read your true crime and you know, what if, but what yeah. you said before about um, this true crime, the true stuff that people would say, oh, you can't write that. that. That that would never happen, you know, that kind of thing. I once had a guy in my critique group when I was writing my second book, and I the kind of something I put in there, and um he said that would never happen. And I said, but it really did happen. It really did. And he said to me, Don't dick up a good story with the truth. And so that has stayed with me forever. <laughs> Excuse me for using that language. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's that true, stay though. with me forever. You know, something that's true. You, you got to fictionalize
1: it. Uh, you know, I I agree 10,000% because I'll tell you it just you know, in I could go down a whole thing but even in my Randy Michaels series where I'm talking about these interactions she has, you know, the tagline is, um, you know, um, she's not looking for Mr. Right. She's looking for Mr. Right now. Right. Okay. And, um, you know, some of the interactions that are in that book are based on interactions that I had or interactions that friends of mine had from. Sure. And stuff like that. And I've had people go, this wouldn't happen. I'm like, yeah, it it did. did. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, I think my doorbell went off with just a magical sound right about the time we have to wrap up. Bo, I'm going to give you the final question.
2: Hmm. What is a quote from your book that sticks with you and you like to share with people?
0: Oh, I wish you had asked me, given me
2: warning because I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like to sneak it. <laughs> I I I honestly or a quote from someone else that sticks in your head.
0: Okay, yes. I have a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt which I have at the beginning of my book Sisters of the Vine. And it's a woman is like a tea bag. You don't know how strong she is until you throw her into hot water or something like that.
2: So I like that. And I like, I like that, that too. because
0: I think that goes for everything. Strong women that you don't know their strength until you throw them into the hot water.
1: So I like that. Yeah. I, I love that. And that is what we will leave this lovely podcast with, but shameless self-promotion. Where do people find you in your books? Okay, on uh, my website,
0: linda rosencom you'll find everything there. You can even read the first chapter of each of my books on the website and the links to buy them are all there and the link to sign up for my Linda's Tea Room infrequent newsletter and this podcast will be on there
1: and all kinds of other fun things. Awesome sauce. Very, very cool. Well, Linda, as always, it's a pleasure having you on the show. We love it. I love it. being here. Thank you. Thank and you I so much. And I can't wait for part three when your next book comes out, and then part four <laughs> yeah, when your Civil War thing. book comes out. <laughs> Great.
0: And if I ever do write that baseball Civil Right, Civil War book, I'll let you know.
1: <laughs> you, you need to let us know, because I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm just saying I can feel it. It's in there. So it's a, I think it, it might take a, a few years. years. Might take a few years, but thank you. This Absolutely. was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition, where we were actually interviewed for the first time ever on our own <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Linda Rosen has been our guest. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, please. We live off of you pressing some buttons for us, and we'll see you next time.